welcome to the Time Shifters podcast. I'm your host, Christopher. This podcast takes a fun look at the films of long past, recent past, and the almost present, as well as the events and news surrounding them. I would love to hear from you, and there are several ways to get in touch with the show. Look for the Time Shifters podcast group on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Time Shifters Pod, or you can send us a typed or recorded message to timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and please check us and our fellow podcasters out over on podchaser.com. Please rate and review the show at any of these outlets. All these links can be found on timeshifterspodcast.com. Now let's head to the Timeshifter studio and start the show. Everyone and welcome back to the Time Shifters podcast. This is Christopher, and I am here with a man who is celebrating his one year anniversary as a podcaster. My fantastic friend, Tom. Happy birthday to me! Happy birthday! <laughs> Excited to be here. Excited for a one year down. Only ninety nine to go. <laughs> Happy anniversary, Thank you, sir. Did you? Did you think you would be here a year when you started this crazy journey a year ago? Uh, honestly, yes. Because <laughs> <But>, <laughs> you and I have never had a shortage of things to talk about. So it's up to the people that listen to us to figure out when they're going to shut the hell up. But, <laughs> but Or shut us off, but, you well, mean? That, yeah. <laughs> don't do that. Why, why would you do that? I mean, we're fascinating. Uh, but... <laughs> But no, uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed how much energy we still manage to put in it, even when maybe we're not that into it at the moment. So <laughs> there has been those films. Yeah, there are those films. <laughs> There's those times in life we've managed to do this through a pandemic. Yeah, yeah I don't know if that makes it easier <laughs> or harder. But <laughs> well, at least it gives us an excuse, I guess, to do the. <laughs> To do something. It gives us an excuse to do something. It also explains, well, why we're not doing this sitting next to each other. Yeah, that's true. Well, and that's definitely one of the things that I, I hope we can rectify when when we're allowed to be in the same room together. We can try to make some long weekends or something. And uh, we're not that far apart no. that we couldn't make a, you know, I'm not going to say every week, obviously. Right. But, you know, couple times a year it would be really great to be actually be able to get together and do something and and record in the same room indeed and uh, also get out there and get some recordings on some other things that we like to go do and see and all of that uh be nice yeah, to go yeah, to comic good old comic again. expo <laughs> yeah the comic expo was deeply missed this past year very much so hopefully by what, what's usually in september if i'm not mistaken yeah, that sounds about right um yeah, hopefully by then things will finally calm down and uh, that will at least be going on and we'll be able to get together for that. Yeah, it's a real shame. 2020 was going to be a year. I had my calendar full of little conventions all around town, just little uh, toy expos, uh, small comic you know, conventions, just uh, little things like that. I'm like, this is the year I am going to try to hit all these little things. Cause they're, they're only a few bucks, you know, like five, 10 bucks or something to get in the door, just real small mm-hmm. stuff. Like, that'll be fun just to go take a couple pictures, take my recorder. Maybe I'll find something to talk about. Maybe not, right. but just to check them out. And yeah, and all that just got thrown asunder. And I'm like, 
this was going to be the year. Well, yeah, and, uh, <laughs> we were going to try to hit Monster Bash together and all of that. Yeah. And nah. Nope, didn't happen. Um, got my fingers crossed for this year. We'll see. June, eh, kind of 50-50, I figure. Yeah, pretty much. Kind of wait and see. Come on, world, get yeah. your shit together. <laughs> my my room is booked, just in case. <laughs> Uh, yeah, pa- passes are bought and room is booked, just in case. But yeah, uh, we're getting a little off track from your anniversary. Again, congratulations. I think that's awesome. I really appreciate you stepping up and, uh, and you know, filling the shoes that uh, that Matt left. No, I, I, I enjoyed it very much. I went, uh, there were a few times earlier on where I tinkered with this with you and we never got getting me into the uh, the show off the ground, and you and Matt were sailing along, and, well, his loss is my gain. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you were, uh, you did appear back in, like, early versions of the uh, of the show uh, when we had a group when, uh, what was it, Cowboys and Aliens that we yeah. all went and saw and sat around and talked? Yeah, we got some of the old Thriftway crew involved. Yeah. Uh, you, me, and Steve going to that. Yeah, I think there was a good group of us there that were all chatting about that. And I think we had Floyd on the line, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I think he was Skyping in. It's a shame we didn't have a better film to talk about. <laughs> but it was, that may have been the best film to talk about with a big group. Oh, yeah, because then you get all <laughs> like the uh, varying opinions. But no, it's been it's been a lot of fun. And it, this has been a, a great just excuse to get on the Skype every two every two weeks and just shoot the breeze with you Absolutely. too. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's half the fun of it. So there's yeah. what everyone gets to hear and then there's everything that we discussed before and after we <laughs> recorded. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, if we spend an hour recording, we spend uh, probably at least a good hour uh, combined between in front of recording and after recording before we actually uh, disconnect the thing. Hey, it's still not a, a record. Uh, there were all those times. Everything that led up to what we do right now from our growing up where we would spend four or five hours in a night just shooting the shit about whatever. <laughs> oh, yeah. And usually <laughs> that's what's the funniest thing is I remember us sitting around and talking and often we would just rehash the same conversations over and over but it didn't seem to matter. <laughs> I think anyone on the outside would be like, why are you still talking about this? <laughs> yeah, they would just figure we're making our own Seinfeld show. Yeah, so I'm, I'm glad you've enjoyed podcasting. I think it is something that once the bug bites, it's a little hard to uh, not scratch that itch. <laughs> it, it caused me to turn a milk crate into an audio studio. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it can be definitely. Uh, you were lucky that you actually had some audio equipment already lying yeah. around for the, your your job because yeah, for me, I literally started out with just like a USB headset. Oh wow! Then I found like a USB mic, and then I found a better USB mic, and then I found a digital recorder, and then I found XLR microphones. And <laughs> see, then I'm just standing on your shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I really want to like get back out into the real world again. It's like, I've got good microphones. I've got a good recorder. <laughs> if I do it more, I can justify a new ah. recorder. <laughs> oh, the ulterior motives. Yes. But other than that, um, yeah, I haven't been really doing much the last couple of weeks. 
you know, I I I finished that book I was telling you about. Um, yes, that I the uh, the Battlestar the, Galactica. the Battlestar Galactica book, which is has led me to watch a few more episodes of the original uh, Battlestar Galactica series. And yeah, I kind of see where you're talking. Where you know, I like it. I appreciate it. I'm glad that, that it exists. It's not good. <laughs> it it's got more problems than than not. But uh eh, it's entertaining to throw in and, you know, burn a quick 50 minutes. <laughs> no, but I'm It looks pretty. Oh, and I, I and I totally need to get a hold of that book cuz I I could stand uh, getting some more appreciation. Um for the series itself, and especially as it moved into my more favorite component, the more recent version. But yeah, other than that, I haven't really done anything. I haven't really watched anything other than what we're going to discuss tonight. <laughs> uh, any, nothing nothing really special. Uh, and nothing's more special than what we're going to discuss tonight. But, uh, um, <laughs> um, but no, I, I myself, uh, as we discussed a little before we started, uh, I broke into the... Um, HBO Max uh, vault uh, and they have DC's components and I've already scarfed down the entire first season of Titans um, this is a far more mature telling of uh, some of the lesser known superheroes of the DC universe uh, I enjoy that uh, apparently they laid the groundwork that uh, these characters have been around a while Robin has been um, on the scene, uh, this is a very, very adult um, telling of this particular story. Uh, interestingly enough, I didn't know that going into watching it and almost scarred my own son for life <laughs> when one of the more violent scenes came to pass for the very first episode. But uh, I'm finding I enjoy that rather quite a bit, and uh, I myself being uh, a huge fan of Nightwing um, to the point where mm -hmm. I still collect those comics. Um, I'm in the second season and I, we are on the cusp of him deciding to change. He is no longer Robin. He has decided he is no longer Robin, but he has not picked his new persona as he continues to lead the Titans. And I'm just super excited for when he finally turns over. So looking forward nice. to that. Yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad you're enjoying it. Yeah, uh, DC has a problem with where it puts its material. Because yes. I think most of the shows that you find on, like, the CW, I think are hindered by the fact that they're on the CW. If they find a place... Because I don't think Titans were was never... That was always strictly streaming, wasn't it? Yes. That was yes. never on a in network. In fact, uh, the only reason it... it HBO Max has pulled in all of Warner Brothers' uh, materials under one roof now, whereas it did start off as a DC-only streaming service, and I could never conceivably decide I am going to spend money on that to see this content, especially given um, Warner Brothers and DC's history with trying to make its own content. We've discussed it before with like um, their Supergirl mm -hmm. When it was on CBS, it was a relatively actually intelligent and fun series. Yes. And then they moved it to the CW, and now it's all I can do to actually bring myself to watch it. I, I watch it only because my wife wants to watch it kind of thing. 
Yeah, it's kind of like you took anything that was good about those particular characters and you Aaron spelling the hell out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so that's what I was I was saying that I think DC for some reason works better when it doesn't when it's not trying to like please the general audiences. Right. So it, when it puts itself on like a streaming service or something and it can kind of take the gloves off. I think it does a little bit better of a job. Uh, strangely enough, again, going back to Supergirl, where CBS, despite the fact that it was probably actually a more wider um, net, I don't know what it was. They just, they were better at it. <laughs> yeah. Any of uh, the DC and Warner Brothers stuff when it comes to the the live action component of stuff. Now, I, and I say the live action. Uh, anything that they produce animated is almost perfect out of the gate. I haven't seen them. Do- there are some that I don't I like more than others, but sure. the quality on the whole is pretty high. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it shows a true understanding of the material and what people want to see out of the material. Um, but when you get into the live action, it's like the people that they get to work on the show have never seen, read, or heard any of this before. Well, it becomes more flash than substance. Yes. Uh, pardon the pun. <laughs> uh, uh, no, the animated stuff, I, it, you know, it relies on the storytelling. And when, yeah, you put the stuff on, on like, the, the live action or whatever, they just decide, oh, we've got pretty people. Right. And we should make these really pretty people, and all, and we need relationships, and we need we need angst, and it's like, no, you need a good story. <laughs> all right, that stuff will come if you actually tell us a good story. <laughs> yeah, I'll take some of the stories that came out of little the half hour segments of the original Batman the animated series and put it against almost anything that's been on the CW. Yeah, and, and that's that's the hitch. I mean, when that's your bar and you can't hit it. <laughs> and, right. and that was a bar set 30 years ago. <laughs> That's pretty rough. <laughs> yeah. Even the, uh, the Superman animated series had some phenomenal stories Absolutely. in that. Well, and uh, not to tangent too hard, but uh, what the, an- the Superman animated series did well is they actually limited Superman like, Yes. They, they, he was powerful, but not to, he, not a god. <laughs> he still had to mm-hmm. breathe air. He had to, he could be hurt by enough effort. <laughs> so, and the limitations on him actually made him a lot more fun and a lot more believable. Now I suddenly want to watch those, that series again. <laughs> I just now that I've said the name, I'm like, damn! Now I kind of want to go back and watch. I, there's just a few episodes that I remember of that series that are just like touchstone episodes. Where it's like, damn! Now I, want, I need to go see that again. I need. I want to watch all the Dark Side episodes. Oh yeah, no, those would be cool. And, and it, it, it drives me crazy now that uh, I have the HBO Max through Comcast. It wasn't, but six months ago, I got copies of, like, the complete uh, animated series and complete Batman Beyond series on DVD and digital, and now it's just included in my package. <laughs> like, yeah, <damn> yeah. <laughs> and that Superman stuff's not there yet. Oh, I mean, no? It's not oh, that I've seen. Uh, I'm sure, uh, hopefully, 
I, I actually encourage if by the time anyone's heard this and that's wrong, please tell me so and I'll go find it and watch it. <laughs> well, what you need to do is you need to go buy the DVDs or the Blu-rays. <laughs> oh, that's that's the linchpin. <laughs> yep. And then it'll it'll show up on whatever streaming service that is most convenient for you. There you go, and uh, that's also when they'll, uh, as soon as I buy the Justice League Series 2, that's when that'll come out, Mm. too. And that was an excellent series as well. Yes, it was. Yep. Again, they got it down on the animation. They can't churn out a decent live action uh, with some very rare exceptions. And that's, it's like I said, before it just comes down to the storytelling and I just don't understand why they don't hire the people writing the stories for the animated to do it for their live action. Yeah, I know. Uh, as far as I can tell, there is no crossover and I, it baffles yeah, me. I, I don't get that at all. I mean, Paul Dini, I'm sure is still sitting around. Go, go get him. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, He's waiting for the call, I'm sure. Now, since we don't have a whole lot in the way of news there, and since we're on the DC trip, uh, that did strike a thing. I have not read, looked into it much, but uh, I'm interested in the smatterings I've heard about um, Tim Burton going to make a Batman Beyond film using Michael Keaton. Do you think it's really going to happen? Because that's, that's been kind of rumored. Or if that's a thing, but it keeps coming up, so... Mm-hmm. I could get on board with this. <laughs> I would. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I would love to see this. I just hope it's more reality and less rumor. <laughs> right. Yeah, you just, you keep hearing, a, well, and the, this with this past year, everything kind of got put on sure. pause, whatever was in the works, kind of just all went to the back burner. And whether any of it will find its way back to the front again is another you know, anyone's guess. Well, and that's why you have to take almost anything you hear with a grain of salt is until there's a, until the world's a little more open and they can get back on track, everything is rumor until you actually have it in front of your eyes. Yeah. It would be pretty damn interesting to see a, see how a Batman Beyond is realized in a live action format. Um, certainly by the, the animated series. I never read any of the comics. Right. Uh, the animated series was definitely very kind of, it was out mm-hmm. there as far as, you know, technology-wise and everything. I mean, you, you'd be talking about some serious special effects and everything needed if you went, if you went that route. Yeah, and it, it's and while special effects can take you anywhere, but to, to do it in a fashion that would make it believable as you're watching it. Yeah, because... The bat suit from Batman Beyond was just insane. Uh, I mean, those wings had come out of nowhere on on, mm-hmm. right. on his body and all that. And like, okay. Well, what whatever technology that allowed that utility belt to have absolutely <laughs> anything he possibly needed, he just expanded into his entire suit. Yeah, I, I can remember too many uh, since it was all done by the similar animators and all that. I, I always remember from back in the uh, Batman animated series, there was one time he actually had a, a compartment open on his belt, and if that thing actually existed, it would have been about halfway through his body. <laughs> yes. 
I can see the scene in my head that you're yeah, talking like, about. Yeah, I know like exactly you what you're talking about. You pulled out a whole grappling gun. It wasn't attached to the belt. It was <laughs> inside the belt. And you're like, what? <laughs> you don't have a spleen anymore, do you? What what you don't what you don't realize is Bruce Wayne is only 130 pounds <laughs> and the rest is all suit. <laughs> He's actually internalized most of it. But yeah, no, if that's a if that's one of those rumors that are out there and and to get a Tim Burton take on it again. Yeah, I'm not sure if I had heard. I, I remember hearing the rumors about about Michael Keaton yeah. and. I don't think any name or any actual, like, it was definitely Batman Beyond, but it was the fact that he was coming back for something really was leading people down that route to think it was a Batman Beyond. But I don't remember if there was a Tim Burton attached name attached to it yet or not. So that, it's been a while. I mean, that's probably been a good four or five months since the last thing I've heard anything about it. Yeah, so. the last thing, and I'm not going to like read this story now, but there was some, uh, this is where I found it. There was something on Screen Rant about two days ago. Oh, all right. So there's an actual story out there titled Tim Burton's Batman Beyond Could Properly End Michael Keaton's DC Story. So yeah, that'd be nice. I Michael Keaton was my favorite movie Batman. So I, I'm all for it. I'd love to see him in in the in the role again. Yeah, yeah, no. So uh, I'm excited for this. Uh, I, I I hope it comes to fruition. But uh, I mean, all bets are off until it's actually on a screen. Exactly. Oh, you know what? I was trying to remember before we started recording. I was trying to remember that there was some discs that I brought home and I couldn't remember what they were. Uh, and I, I just now remembered why it was when you're telling me about you uh, sitting down with uh, with Jack to watch a uh, to watch a film, and I, I just remembered I, I sat down with uh, my son, and we watched the uh, Lost in Space film. Oh, okay. Which is not a good movie. No. no. <laughs> but it looks really pretty. As long as you steer clear of the scenes with the space monkey. <laughs> Yeah, well, except for the space monkey. Yeah, there there are so many missteps in that film. Uh, mainly the cast. A- almost the entire cast is absolutely miscast, <laughs> yeah. with the exception of um, and I'm blanking on his name now. Right, uh, played Doctor Smith in that. Um, oh, Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman, thank you. He was the he was the best thing about that film. Absolutely, it got me in the mood to try to watch the uh, the the remake. Uh, again, I watched a little bit of it, the Lost in Space remake that was... The Netflix series? Well, uh, the Netflix yeah. series, yeah. yeah. I watched a little bit of it. I couldn't remember if I actually got through the whole first season. And now, as I understand it, they've actually... I think they're getting ready to premiere the third season. Yeah, um, and I did get through the, the two seasons. I actually rather liked that quite a bit. Yeah, unfortunately, the second season's not available on any disc anywhere yet. Um, I guess maybe if it's still on Netflix, I'm going to have to maybe get a <laughs> trial for that. <laughs> uh, and, and, and yes, uh, I, I recommend that because, uh, yeah, the second season was pretty intense. All right, cool. I, I remember liking kind of ended up liking the direction they were going with the idea of the the robot, quote unquote, <laughs> But the, the alien, whatever it was, uh, that I 
and then so much of it is I, just vague memories now because it's been so it's been several years, obviously, since I saw that. No, I highly encourage you uh, taking up the second season because we do explore a lot more to do with the alien race uh, that the robot comes from. So it, it's it's a fun watch, and uh, I just really kind of like where they took this. I mean, they took uh, the concept. I, I like that they took what there was of the original series. They took some elements from the movie. Um, and then they put it into something that looks a lot more coherent than either of the other two ever were. So yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. That that film was just it was a shame. I mean, I remember going to see that in the theater. Did you go with me? Were, we may was, have gone to that one. I left going. You know what? I wanted to see more Adventures with the Robinson, despite everything. <laughs> it was kind of like I I still had fun. You know, I thought it looked good. It was great on the big screen. Oh yeah, definitely. Like I wanted I wanted to see you know another adventure, which of course never materialized because the film absolutely bombed. Um, you know, it didn't help uh, much either uh, that uh, oh what's his name uh, Joey <laughs> Matt, Matt LeBlanc. LeBlanc. Thank you. Uh, I had Matt. I couldn't get LeBlanc, uh, but. Uh, this was so close to the end of Friends that again you could you couldn't get out of your head. What's Joey doing on the show? And why, why is anybody listening to him? Yeah. No, like I said, the 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 thing was just miscast really really bad. It. And you know, I I read somewhere that there was they were in talks to get Bill Mooney to play the older Will Robinson that you see at the end of the that film. That would have been awesome. But they decided against it because they thought it'd be too distracting for the audience. <laughs> a, I don't know what the hell that even right. means. And B, what a huge mistake. Absolutely. Uh, why would you not make a tie back to the original show? Especially in such a good way. And he's an excellent actor. And th- so he and... Um, the guy that played Dr. Smith were the only two from the original cast, surviving cast members that didn't make a cameo in the film. <laughs> Everyone else made a cameo in the film, except for them, because they couldn't come to that agreement. Uh, the, um, the guy that played Dr. Smith, I can't think of his name, he he didn't want to do a walk-on. He's like, I, I've never done you know a, a cameo, I'm not going to start. He wanted to play Dr. Smith again. No. Well, that was... So, that was his doing. The reason he wasn't in the movie was his own right. doing. Bill Mummy was fine with it. He was really interested in doing something, and that was like the perfect part, and they didn't want to do it, and he's like, well, the hell with it. <laughs> Jeez. What a shame. That's a missed opportunity. But yeah, let's go ahead and take a break and play a uh, promo. Or And then when we come back, we will take a look at a film from 2010 called Rubber. Kayla, the host of Strikes My Fancy podcast. Have you ever wondered why we dream? Maybe you're struggling with your mental health and you need some guidance. Or perhaps you just enjoy listening to people chat about things they love. Strikes My Fancy has all of that and more. With rotating series and new and exciting guests in each episode, I keep it fresh, entertaining, and educational. Come explore with me and discover what it is that strikes your fancy. 
You can find my show on strikesmyfancy.podme.com or Apple, Spotify, pretty much anywhere that you listen to podcasts. I look forward to you being a part of my journey. This is what our killer looks like. Tire. What brand of tire? Probably brandless. Yes. Is it black? I'm starting to like it. Door just opened. Come on, be a good boy. Blow my head off. Again. Come on, closer. You get one of you guys with a flamethrower, I'll just go... Weirdos. Hey, welcome back. Now, this is a film I heard about, like I said last time, I remember hearing about this film. I know people that saw this film and talked about this film and thought it was a really good film that they had a lot of fun. I'm like, okay, whatever. It's on the list. One of these days I'll watch it. I never got around to it because there was a part of me that was going, it's a movie about a tire that supposedly kills people with with its mind, quote unquote. And so going into this, I was still really expecting I had that mindset. I was expecting this is going to be very low budget. This was going to be a lot of scenes where you could tell someone was just kind of rolling the tire and then in front of the frame, in front of the camera to make it look like it's going across the desert and that kind of thing. I was so pleased to find all those expectations blown out of the water almost immediately. In fact, yes, as you look up anything related to this, uh, it keeps getting categorized over and over again as like a horror movie and it talks about the tire and you have completely missed the point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, if anyone needs a synopsis, a tire gains sentience and goes on a killing spree with its uh, psychokinetic uh, powers. Yep, there you go. That's, yeah, that's that's pretty much the synopsis of the film. Sort of. <laughs> Sort of. It, 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 if you take the raw what you get to see, yes. <laughs> well, but how would you describe what really goes on? I mean, it's almost impossible to try to do it in any kind of short form. Right. And when we get into some uh, the reviews later, I'll get into more of that. Uh, 
But this, the best way I can describe this is this is this filmmaker's take on what film is, period. Just, I'm just going to get into the tagline. There's no reason. There's no reason for this film to exist. There's no reason for any film to exist. They exist because we want them to. Um, And and at the heart of what he's saying is we give things meaning. There, There is no other reason. There is no other thing. There are this way because we say it's that way. So, and... That's the part that makes this kind of laughable as you're watching it is um, which you latched on to with any of the stuff that you put out on like Facebook and all that it is they tell you everything that you need to know about this film in the first five minutes. Literally, they come out and give a speech. In the Steven Spielberg movie E.T., why is the alien brown? No reason. In Love Story, why did the two characters fall madly in love with each other? No reason. In Oliver Stone's JFK, why is the president suddenly assassinated by some stranger? No reason. In the excellent Chainsaw Massacre by Toby Hooper, why don't we ever see the characters go to the bathroom or wash their hands like people do in real life? Absolutely no reason. Worse, in The Pianist by Polanski, how come this guy has to hide and live like a bum when he plays the piano so well? Once again, the answer is no reason. I could go on for hours with more examples. The list is endless. You probably never gave it a thought, but all great films, without exception, contain an important element of no reason. And you know why? Because life itself is filled with no reason. Why can't we see the air all around us? No reason. Why are we always thinking? No reason. Why do some people love sausages and other people hate sausages? No f-ing reason. Come on, don't waste your time explaining that garbage. Let's go. Just a minute, let me finish. Ladies, gentlemen. The film you are about to see today is an homage to the no reason, that most powerful element of style. First of all, the whole thing starts and you're wondering what in the world is going on because it's just, you you see a dirt road and there's a bunch of chairs on it. And then a car comes up and then goes to a lot of effort to run over each individual chair. And then it stops... A man gets out of the trunk, dressed as a police officer, takes a glass of water from the driver, and then addresses you, addresses the camera, and makes this speech. And and when you give a little more time for that scene to to grow, they're clear. We are making a film. We are making a film. You are here to watch a film. And then when he's done talking to you, there's an audience for that film. They're standing in the desert waiting to watch a film, but they're not watching a film. They're watching a film unfold as if it was a film. 
Right. Yeah, it's a little. It's not even meta. I. <laughs> uh, but see, it, uh, I will put it in the category of meta because uh, I don't even know if I'm right, but I took a lot from this film and the way that, way that they did it because as it goes through, um, and, and let's just get into it because as we go through this film, and yes, indeed, we get to witness this tire kind of become aware get moving try to it gets its make its first steps or rolls. roll <laughs> <laughs> unsuccessfully at first it's having a hard time um, right experimenting kind of you know learning uh, about the world around him and, and at this point i want to actually interject and this was something even friends of mine said that they knew of this film before they watched it and uh, for me, on this watch, this was a watch party with two of my close friends in the area, and and they were super excited to watch it. Not so super excited after it was done. Um, oh. uh, but as we're watching it, uh, they both had commented that they heard that this is a beautiful film, and I cannot understate it. You have to watch it as close if you can in full 4K. Um, this is a beautifully shot film uh the, it's crisp mm-hmm. it's detailed the colors are amazing um e- even when it's just primarily earth tones they manage to pop um everything looks amazing as they as we shoot what's essentially a tire rolling around the desert um yeah it it's an independent film story mm-hmm. with big budget quality and I'll let you get into that part later. Uh, but but as this unfolds, you start getting into the story of the tire, and then every t- once in a while we'll break away and watch that there's an audience with binoculars, random crowd of people. And they're, with their binoculars, they're watching this as if they're sitting in a theater watching this. To the point they're living in the desert, they're actually there for every action that happens over whatever course of time it happens. So Tyre goes to sleep. So do they. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like it's like going to a Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's very much like that. But only one <laughs> movie. It's not that long. So. <laughs> but... Yes, as we're we're following along with uh, them watching the tire, the tire doing its thing and becoming insane as it, uh, it as it travels, because now it's insisted upon ever since it rolls over a uh, water bottle and it crinkles and crushes, it decides everything in its path must die. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and so it gains knowledge on how to make that happen every time. <laughs> uh, we assume it develops a love interest at one point <laughs> because it becomes enamored with some girl and starts following her. But like I said, through every step, we also step back and we watch the crowd interact. And it's funny how the crowd even behaves. They they behave like a... Uh, um, movie critics, people yelling at the screen kind of thing. 
they're irritated with one another because some are laughing at something or they're talking about something and the others don't want to hear it. It's making commentary on how an audience interacts with the thing that they're watching. And then it turns out the thing that they're watching interacts back with them. <laughs> this keeps leading without getting into every single detail of this movie, although it's not incredibly long. 82 minutes is not a huge runtime. But as you're moving through this, uh, those that are conceivably in charge of what is happening here, they have a way, they, they have an ending in mind. The ending would have to result in the ending of the actual audience. And when the audience doesn't go away because one of them escapes the fate to which the filmmakers, quote unquote, have set forth, um, the movie has to keep going. Mm -hmm. And this is where I get meta about this. And this is where, again, I could be completely way off base. But this is about how, okay, you've made, you, you make a film. A filmmaker makes a film and they think they're putting their creative effort into making this thing. They're making their decisions. Why? For no reason. Um, but they're making these decisions. And then what's important is the how the audience interacts with what they've seen gets gives new life to the creation to which they have made in the first place. So if you think of anything that has a franchise component to it. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. Yes, and this is where I go with that. As long as the audience exists, so does the creation. Because it mm -hmm. will carry on no matter what. Whether you want it to or not. It'll go into other reiterations. It'll go in different directions. Because the audience wants it to. And whether you have control of it or not, you can lose control of your creation. You know, a filmmaker will make a film and maybe he'll make a, a sequel and then he doesn't want anything, he or she doesn't want anything to do with it after that. But then there's a third film and a fourth film and a fifth film. I'm looking at you, Saw. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that is literally what they are saying in the middle of the film when our cop friend who gave the speech at the beginning about why there is no reason for anything that happens when he is trying to literally wrap the set said, this is over. Everybody go home. We're done. And everybody's looking at him like he's insane. Cause to them, real life is unfolding such as it is. Cause there's a tire murdering people. Uh, but they're like, what are you talking about? But uh, to him, none of this is real. He has them actually act out an act that would kill him. And it doesn't happen. It doesn't kill him because this is not real. It's his creation and it is unfolding how he wants. But because the audience still exists, it has to carry on. And <laughs> I think that's where this filmmaker is going with what he's trying to tell us in this film is that we make these things for no reason. We come up with our own reasons when there is no reason. And some things carry on whether we want them to or not. <laughs> and we keep just saying this filmmaker uh, only because I bothered to actually look up the, how to pronounce his name. <laughs> that I definitely feel like I, I should actually try to pronounce it on the show. Um, and I hope I if I mangle it, um, my apologies. But Quentin Dupier. Dupier. It's French. <laughs> He's a French filmmaker who uh, bit this. And it, it does make me really curious to see some of his other films to see if they are as experimental or as, you know, kind of bizarre as this one is, 
or if this is kind of just is, I I have to think they at least have a flavor of this. I just can't imagine that this is like a one shot for him. No, I mean this is a this is a guy that has something in his head and he wants to get it out into the world, and I can't see him doing that in other films. Just going, ah, I'm gonna make a Hello Kitty movie. Uh, I don't see, <laughs> I don't see him going in that direction. <laughs> Oh, he might if Hello Kitty can kill people with its mind. (laughs) But see, and and this is where my buddy's having a hard time with this film. Um, I can see their point of view on this. If you thought you were going to go watch a stupid movie about a tire killing people, uh, a.k.a. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes style, where you just want the mayhem, there's, again, no reason uh, why this tire would be killing people, but you just want to see that. You want to see, okay, there's a tire, it's killing people, here's how we're going to react to that, here's how we're going to solve the problem, the tire killing people, um, and then that's it, you're out, and you had a good time going there. If that's what you went into this to watch, you didn't get that. <laughs> no, no. And I think that I was probably expecting that that is what this film was going to be. Like I said, I thought it was going to be the low budget. Okay. Okay. Throw the tire, roll it in front of the camera kind of thing to, to give it the motion, just have it sit there and yeah, make some special effect noise. And then someone dies. That's really what I was expecting. I honestly, by the end of that speech at the beginning of the film, I knew I was going to love this movie because that subverted everything that I was expecting right from the get go. Uh, and I, I'm going to give a kudo out to a good friend, Stacia, who uh, turned this turned me on to this because she she told me about this. She's like, "Have you ever seen this movie Rubber?" And I said, "No." Uh, I, I go, "I'll have to catch it." And I go, "Did you ever watch it?" She's like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, I have no idea what you're recommending it, but sure, I'll give it a shot. And that's as much information as I had going into watching this thing. So it was completely random. I went in with no information. So yes, I didn't even have the... I, I knew that there would be a killer tire, but that was the sum total of what I had. So by the time I'm watching this, I'm like, this is too weird and I'm loving it. Exactly. I mean, this is kind of a little bit like um, when we did our 31 Nights of Halloween mm. and the uh, the one film we watched, uh, what was it called? With the Electricity. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, oh, the Joey Lawrence movie, and I can't remember the title now. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's going to bug me. <laughs> that's going to bother me, too. But that was a bit of the same way. We, we both kind of went in there just expecting, like, oh, okay, this is going to be, uh, you know, someone's going to get their hand chopped off by a, a, a mixer or something like that. And it ended up being an actually like, you know, actual well thought out, suspenseful little uh, thriller. And I feel like this film, a little bit of the same way, you walk in expecting to be just, I don't know, have your time wasted, or at least it, it just going to spend time watching this movie. And instead, you find yourself actually getting kind of engrossed by this movie. No, uh, absolutely. Uh, if you let yourself be. If you were looking for the B-movie horror thing, and, and by the way, we were looking for the uh, title Pulse. Thank you, yes. Um, yeah, no, if you were looking for that B-movie horror, no thought necessary, uh, then yes, you you went in wrong and, and it went wrong for you. So Right. 
uh, to which they look at me stupid, like, you found all of that meaning in this? <laughs> well, it is there. That's what I That's what I mean. This film is so much more intelligent and clever than, than I think anyone going in would have expected it to be. And if you're only looking for that B-movie, then yes, you're going to be disappointed with this, because this one will make you kind of think a little bit. Maybe you could watch it just in that B-movie mentality, but... I think you would find the el- the little meta elements that we were talking about, I think you'd find them annoying. But even I watching it was thinking, the joke's fun, but maybe that joke's wearing mm-hmm. thin by the end of the movie. Yeah, no, by the time you get to, uh, we're with our last audience member who is the one that is causing this to drag out uh, as long as it is. Played by Wings Hauser. Wings Hauser, which excellent casting for that. Yes. Um, while he's dragging it out and all that, yes, it starts to get a little cumbersome because even that, see, like right now as I'm saying it, I can even latch on to the idea. Again, this goes back to like we were talking about where a filmmaker is forced to perpetuate his uh, his story uh, because there is an audience and maybe it's moving beyond, it's getting unruly. And literally by the time we're at the end of the movie, they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was that the intention? Uh, did they intend to make that joke go longer than it really should have? Because that's just that's just part. And of I'm going to hit a low blow here, but I'm uh, I'm envisioning uh, the series Lost. The series Lost was never intended to run as long as it did. It suffered because they had a story to tell, but there was an audience. And they felt compelled to continue it on because there was an audience and it started to suffer and suck. And they'd lost where they were going with it because they felt they needed to keep feeding the beast. And I think that's exactly what this film is saying is like, yeah, it went off the rails because that's how this goes. As long as you continue to be forced to feed an audience and you're not you're not doing it because you want to. You're doing it because they exist. Then it goes wrong. Then it doesn't. It you don't get a satisfying ending. But then you get this forced continuation, no matter what, including right up to the end where we get the reincarnation of Robert, <laughs> our hero, <laughs> the killer tire. <laughs> I wasn't even I wasn't even going to spoil it and give it away. <laughs> I don't know if I did because you got to see it to understand what the hell I just said. <laughs> Good point. Good point. I'll leave it in there. There you go. Yeah, no, no, no. Do not cut me out for that cuz there's no way I spoiled that. You, you won't have clue one what I just said unless you watch the film. No, I love it and I think I think it's fantastic that this is the kind of movie despite the fact that it has the most ridiculous premise under underneath it all. But this is the kind of movie that encourages and kind of forces conversation. Mm-hmm. And if you think that there isn't conversation to be had about this film, then you're not really watching it. No, absolutely. In fact, that was one of the comments that I found from one of the reviews. Well, we could probably go ahead and get to them because yeah, I don't know. Well, it, before we do that, is there any moments in the film or anything that we really want to talk about beyond what we what we've already mentioned? 
I mean, this thing is rife with uh, just commentary on both life and particularly how uh, cinema and media is consumed. Like, they actually went to the trouble of having... It was funny. They had what could be construed as a graphic scene, scene of nudity. Um, we, Our heroine, for lack of a better term, the, the girl interest of the tire... You see a bare butt, but that that's why I, I, I hesitate to even call that that because you see the bare butt. She gets in the shower. That's it. Then we cut to the audience. The audience are seeing more than we just saw, and they're commenting on it. And that's the thing is the gratuity causes more conversation, which leads to more interest uh, and if there were no conversation, would there be gratuity? Would, would, would you actually get those scenes if nobody talked about? Like, if we stopped caring about that, would it be in? Like, the answer's probably no. It probably wouldn't be. Those are the scenes that some filmmakers put in to get butts in the seat. <laughs> Pun intended. <laughs> again, I didn't... It wasn't... That was not intended again. I'm I'm thinking to some of the uh, the latter '70s uh, Hammer films, mm-hmm. Hammer horror films. You know they were legitimate. They were trying to do like the Draculas and trying to do the scary films. And then towards the end of their their run, it was kind of like we need we need naked women. Some of those movies are still decent and fun, but they would still be decent and fun without all the titillation. Uh, I feel the same way. I've, I've mentioned the the Paul Nashi. Uh, he makes a good point of always having some beautiful woman, at least topless, if not fully nude, somewhere in the film, mm-hmm. probably repeatedly. Um, and there are uh, cuts of the film where that, because he was a Spanish filmmaker and in Spain, you couldn't show that at the time. You know, this was a very censored yeah. time for filmmakers. And so you have to cut two films. One film wouldn't have any nudity, and one film for international audiences would have all the nudity. And I actually found that in some of his films, I think the ones without the nudity make mm-hmm. a better horror film. When you throw in all the nudity, it just right. becomes an exploitation film. But see, and that's what I really get into with this, is its choice of where to make commentary, whether you caught it or not. So... Like, that that stands out for me. Um, but then it does have those weird, weird moments where, like, we're with one of the minions and for, it's unclear at the moment, but he's doing weird things with his shoes in his room. And then he turns around and there's a full-size living turkey. <laughs> and... and and I have to say, um, and I couldn't help but laugh, but even that is its own little commentary because it's a turkey. And, and as we know, uh, a bad movie is called a turkey. <laughs> I like the moment when you uh, the, the tire rolls into the swimming pool and sinks. And the audience debates whether or not, well, I thought a tire would float. 
wow, this is like going back to the old internet forums. <laughs> this is people trying to find fault. You know, well, you know, in real life, the blah, 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 the tire would. But no, exactly. <laughs> How is that any different than uh, any conversation we've had, uh, whether it be us or the greater audiences out there? Luke Skywalker couldn't hit that little hole in the Death Star, and it, this wouldn't have. I mean, this—that's an example of how how an audience will take the littlest thing and turn it on its head, and we'll make it a conversation for the rest of our lives. <laughs> so, yeah, this movie was chock full of that stuff, and um, I almost feel like you have to be really, really a fan of film to catch it all. It, this is not if you've like seen a few films if you're not a big movie watcher yeah then you know this is not definitely not the film for you i don't think you need to be necessarily like a critic you don't need to be a student yeah. or, or 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 um a professional of any kind or an expert in film but yeah you do have to have lots of films under your belt i think before watching this one curious as we went into this when i picked this for my podcast anniversary and all that um I had seen this before, um, and I knew this was one you wanted to watch but hadn't gotten to, and I was super excited to have you watch it because I wanted to see what you were going to come out with from this because you and I have spent a great deal of time, uh, whether it's valid or not, <laughs> watching a lot of film, and you dwarf most people that I know. <laughs> Ever. Maybe most of the people I know <laughs> combined. Uh, there are those that comment to me, how does he have time to watch everything that he has seen? Um, but so I, you having that much experience, I was curious how you were going to take this and you, you're you're impressing me that you are taking it exactly as I had hoped you would. You were seeing <laughs> the elements to which I think this filmmaker was actually shoot, shooting for elements that you can appreciate in this film too mm -hmm. if i can just jump in and say the practical mm -hmm. effects including yes the tire. Like i want to know who uh, I, I i didn't research any further the effects that they used uh whatever gyroscopic motor that they were using to drive the tire was impressive this, think of think of this as sort of like a um if it was it bb8 was a tire you got to figure sitting in the base of that tire was essentially the same inner workings that made the BB-8 thing work. Like, I have a little one, actually. The company that made the BB-8 for the show made the little ones that you could buy. Yeah, I have to think something along that line was used, but that tire moved very fluidly, very naturally. It was clear it was doing it on its own for the most part, driven by somebody, but I mean... Like you said, you were going in expecting somebody to roll a tire down the street and all of a sudden somebody's head explode. <laughs> and that's not what you got. Uh, you got something that was thought out. This thing moved on its own. And then I don't, I, I'd love to know how they made the, the, the walls of the thing vibrate. Yeah, I don't know. They did say that there was some CGI used in the film. And may, maybe that was there. They also, I think, some of the uh, the exploding heads was actually ended up CGI because they the practical they tried it practical, but it just wasn't it wasn't working out a hundred percent the way they wanted it. So I do wonder if maybe the effect on the tire was maybe 
a little bit of a CGI be, but, as uh, well. But either way, it, it seamlessly translated into the practical effects that they were doing. I love the sound effect that they they you listen. There's lots of noises that go into that tire as it as it as it, as it warms up. It's a mm-hmm. uh, scanner's mode, <laughs> and including the sound of like a uh, like a remote control that, car winding <laughs> down the road. The uh, the kind of rattlesnake effect as it finally finishes off. Or cicada that is what be, I thought uh, it sounded uh, like. It just it get, yeah, I get the cicadas. Like if all of a sudden you shook up an entire batch of them they all went off at once that that seems about right but yeah that sound effect was awesome um and you knew you knew shit was happening (laughs) so yeah even when you're dealing with just the 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 horror component that you was supposed to be there that was satisfying i i enjoyed that Oh, absolutely. And then they still manage to work in. Uh, there's always that. There's always that one character in a horror movie that even the 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 antagonist won't do anything to. Like the, in this case, there's the young boy that could actually have quote unquote a conversation with the tire, and he wouldn't blow him up. It, it followed. It had a lot of the tropes in there, so it was. I just really enjoy this film. And actually, it's more fun for me uh, when you watch with somebody that doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I could try to get my wife to sit down and watch it. I guarantee you, <laughs> this is not her movie. No, I, I, I almost encourage, uh, if you're a fan of film and can get into this, I encourage doing some sort of watch with somebody who might not get into this, who wants that B-movie thing and then doesn't get it and watch their expression. (laughs) (laughs) I just got so many looks of bewilderment of like, what are we watching? And it was more satisfying that way. (laughs) You want to talk about any of the take on this thing? Yeah, let's hear about some reviews at the time. I remember uh, I saw that it uh, premiered at the Cannes Film Festival where it got a lot of positive reviews from critics, and then it went on from there. So I'm curious to see what you dug up. Yeah, uh, like, uh, if you want, like, a glowing review out of the gate, um, I found one from Karina Longworth uh, back in 2011 uh, from The Village Voice. And the excerpt I have here is an essay on storytelling and spectatorship within when in anime objects attack schlock one infused with the the haunting aura and the disillusionment of a post easy rider road movie rubber is some (laughs) kind of miracle this is somebody that clearly had lots of big words to say about something that they i think they got the point they got the point but they definitely wanted to make themselves sound smart in saying it (laughs) Now, someone a little more middle of the road, and this is where the fun kind of comes in. This is from the Times uh, Picune, I I guess. Uh, Mike Scott wrote this in 2011. It's a a fun one to talk about. Yeah. If, If only for the opportunity to shake your head in amused disbelief at what you just saw. So if you're more the middle of the road, you can appreciate the 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 quirkiness of this 
and turn it into the conversation, I think you get the sense of what the audience in the film was there for. Mm-hmm. It's that notion that you'll watch whatever, and that clearly this audience would watch whatever because they're prepared to stand in the desert to do it and then talk about it. Then you're right there kind of in the middle. You've got the, the, the first person had that heighty sense of, I get this. I know what the guy's going for. I totally understand and love it. This one is more in the middle and like it's fun to talk about. And then and then we go into uh, Ty Burr from uh, the, the Boston Globe and uh, his ending section here. Somewhere in rubber, there's an astute, funny, surrealist short. And he's really on the short part aching to be let out. This version, all 82 minutes of it is both too much and not enough. Still, you have have to admire Depieu, hoping I said that right, uh, originality in boiling the automotive horror of what movies like Christine and Duel down to its most critical spare part. Hmm. <laughs> nice little play. Whatever this movie is, it's not not a retread. <laughs> uh, well, that's true. Nice pun there. Love, so, loving the puns, but not not a real fan of this. Actually no, he kind of, uh, of a, a short than he, a full full movie. Yeah, he kind of gives a little backhanded compliment. I I guess a little bit there. Uh, he sees a lot of good in it, but he didn't think that. Uh, I guess he thought the parts were better than the, the whole. Yeah, literally the parts. Uh, <laughs> That's the third one for me today. Come on. I know, right? You're on a, you're on a roll. Uh. <laughs> Oh, and that's all we did since I had a group watch. There were nothing but tire puns coming left and right <laughs> as we were watching this thing. So it was truly an amazing event. Um, did you want to discuss any of the box office on this? Because <laughs> that's the sad part. Oh, no, I didn't actually even look any up. I uh, assumed I've... it did not. I was don't know if it ever had really what you would call a box office. I assume this never actually made it to the real theaters. Yeah, and I, I don't know how exactly this got released or in what ways, but uh, uh, just pulling from IMDb, uh, the box office, it set this budget at, at an estimated $500,000 to make this film. Uh, the opening weekend, uh, I guess there was one, uh, April 3rd of 2011, it made $16,346. Yeah, I have to think that this is not a film that you're going to find at your Megaplexes or anything. It this may have had an opening day. It may have had a premiere, but it was probably a single theater on a single night. Yeah, this this is an art film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is truly at its heart what it is. and uh, But it's done very well. But yeah, it, it got a worldwide gross of $101,000.729. So almost one hundred and two, which puts it at making a fifth of what it cost <laughs> It made a fifth of what it cost to make the thing. Mm. So, um, so, yeah, so it didn't do well. Yeah. <laughs> but Well, I and have... I don't know if, if someone like Frank DePue that throws something like this together, I don't know that he's out there trying to make money with it. No. Uh, this is him. This is definitely, like you were said, it's it's an art film. This is him. It's his commentary on on life and cinema. 
Yes, exactly. It was a lot of fun. I, I truly, truly enjoyed this one. Um, yeah. I'm glad that you did. Uh, th- this was this was going to be a risk one. <laughs> nope, like I said, within the first five minutes, I knew I was going to love it because they just came out and said that this is happening. No reason. <laughs> it just does. I'm like, okay, good. You got me. Go. What What have you got for me? Because now oh, it all and, makes sense. <laughs> and, and to go through it all and uh, you get to, did you watch through the credits? Yeah, I believe so. Okay. Uh, and then I love that they redo the opening sequence from a different camera angle. Right. Yeah. Just no reason. You're watching the uh, you're watching the weird guy with the shoes and turkey later later in the film. He's just watching the guy give a speech, and that's the angle that we get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm just why? No reason. No reason. That's what I have to think. It's no reason. No reason. I love it. And that's honestly maybe if someone would ask me why do you like that movie so much. No reason. No reason. <laughs> well, I guess that we've said all that we can say about 2010's Rubber. Uh, absolutely go check it out if you like films. Go ahead. Why not? I mean, mm-hmm. you're either going to like it or you're not. <laughs> I don't know if there's any middle ground here. No, uh, there's probably not. But you know what? Then you're in the conversation. That's right, yeah. And watch it with other people, maybe, so you can yes. sit and talk about it. Have a have a wide variety of people. Yes. <laughs> I this this can only go get better with the more diverse group. Yeah, and speaking of the conversation, if you have seen this film and you want to throw in any of the, the comp, you add to the conversation that uh, Tom and I have just had, please do so. Come and talk to us on the Facebook group or send us an email to timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com because I'd love to hear your thoughts on this film, you know, one way or the other. All right. Well, that is going to do it. Tom, thanks very much. Quite welcome. And uh, for those of you listening, you're welcome too. (laughs) So here's, uh, we'll begin our next year of Tom's podcasting. Uh, Woohoo! I don't think we have decided on a film yet. But we will be back in a couple weeks with something to talk about. Absolutely. Bye, everybody. See ya.